And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. It happens to the most of us. At one point in our lives, we get into a rhythm that dictates what our days look like. Our job, kids, our relationship, life itself. Nothing is to be blamed for it, and yet... While our lives may seem fine from the outside, we wake up with a knot in our chest, with the same question in our head every morning that we just can't ignore anymore. That's usually high time to remember who we are, to take a break and a walk. In today's case, it's a walk of several hundred miles, the Camino de Santiago, the road to Santiago, the city in Spain, a pilgrimage for thousands of years that wherever it may be started always ends up at the same place, oneself. Today we are talking about self-discovery and self-rediscovery and transformation with the filmmaker of a beautiful new documentary that is just opening in movie theaters throughout the country, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, as she followed six individuals on their personal pilgrimage for one month. The Camino de Santiago, a walk to remember today here on An Organic Conversation. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg. Mark Mulcahy. And Sita Rani Palomar. Well, speaking of pilgrimages, this is a different kind of pilgrimage. I'm talking about the pilgrimage of a planet, something that contributes to a little phenomenon that we're all experiencing right about now called Mercury in retrograde. This is something that actually caused quite a bit of humor on our team recently as we were preparing for a show where we find that this maybe has become somewhat more mainstream without people really knowing the reason why we blame our tech failures, our accidents, and our arguments on the fact that Mercury is in retrograde. I even found a great article that was called How to Survive Mercury in Retrograde. But what does this mean, actually? What is what is the root cause behind this one thing that we seem to blame so many other things on? Well, here is what we found, and I'm not an astrologer, so this is not my expertise, but it's an interesting thing that happens because all of our planets are orbiting our sun, and we are doing it at different speeds. And there's a particular illusion that happens between Earth, the planet Earth, and or, and the planet Mercury, which is that at one point, it actually appears as if Mercury is moving backwards. It's an optical illusion. And and because of this appearance of moving backwards, we say that Mercury is in retrograde. And because symbolically, Mercury was actually the name of the Roman messenger god, kind of like in, in Greek mythology, Hermes was the messenger god. Well, that Mercury is the equivalent. And so this is a time when communication and interpretation can oftentimes get scrambled when it appears that Mercury is moving backwards. And it also has some other interesting symbolism as they talk about Mercury in retrograde during a particular time of year. It happens about three or four times a year. And if it happens in um, a month that is a water sign or a month that is an air sign, waters are usually associated with emotion. Air is frequently associated with mental and, and, this, and the psychological. And so if you're having Mercury in retrograde in a water sign, then they say the communication and interpretation mix-ups can be related to relationships and emotions. And then if it's it's happening in an air sign, it has more to do with information. So 
when it happens, it happens for about three weeks at a time. And these are the periods when people are just blaming their, like I said, arguments and accidents and tech crashes on Mercury and retrograde. But I just think it's really fascinating to look at where this comes from, because this is an astrological phenomenon. Well, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, how would you say that? Astrological occurrence. Well, but it's an astrological occurrence. It's, it's both um, astronomy. It's actually, we're talking about the way the planets are moving. And then astrologically, <coughs> where we're talking about the relationship of the planets on our, on our lives. So it's, it's just, um, it brings up a lot of interesting, uh, interesting discussion. Yes. Have you found anything in, in the world of astrology that explains why? I mean, we know it, it appears to look to to uh, move backwards, but what is the consequence for us? For example, the the moon regulates water. That's a scientifically proven and well observed uh, phenomenon, um, or fact actually, as it moves tides, and uh, you know, full moon creates a higher tide or a lower tide. Uh, and the body, the human body, is 70% water. So as the moon regulates water, many people have issues sleeping with at, at a full moon, sleeping as well. So is there like a direct natural correlation between the planet Mercury and what it does to us, to energy fields, to communication, or is that all interpretation? Every, I know this really brilliant man who tells me that everything is connected. You may have met him before. <laughs> um, and that's, that's how I kind of view this. Actually, the reason we were joking about it yesterday was because I started the day off spilling my coffee and then throwing green drink all over Helga and then a seat to the papers blowing. We all just, you know, we just started this joke about, oh, this must be happening because Mercury. And it red. is actually, yes. And, <laughs> and well, it was, was, yeah. but the reality is, is that everything's connected. So everything affects everything, no matter how you believe or what you think about what seat is brought up. So I think that no matter what you think about it, something is going on and it's how you choose to observe it or take it in. Yeah, uh, it's just fascinating that it has gotten so mainstream, right? I mean, everywhere in every parts of the country and even beyond, it, I think it's it's one of modern day astrology's greatest achievements to to make sure that the, the term or the, to have come to the place where the country knows that if something really goes array, people are quick to say, oh, must be Mercury in retrograde. Not just in you know the Bay Area, where or in, in other areas of the country where people might lean more into astrology or um, those related topics. It's it's a very common phrase now that is, has become mainstream, and it's the first time I remember ever having astrology, the interpretation of the stars or the application of the stars, onto our lives on that level of mainstreamness. It's fascinating to me. It's like, <laughs> I, I love it. I would be really <laughs> it's, interested it's funny too. in hearing from our listeners about this phenomenon. I'm sure many of you out there are way more familiar with the way Mercury yeah. in retrograde affects the things we do. And if you have some thoughts to share about that, to educate us a little bit more on this phenomenon, you can always email us and we would love to hear what you have to say. Yes, beautiful. Thank you, Sita, for bringing that to our attention, though. Um, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hilberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm to Ronnie Palomar. And today we are talking about the Camino de Santiago, a walk to remember the challenges, beauty, and lessons of a pilgrimage. And before we dive into that topic fully, here's our weekly tip, as always, from the world of health and beauty. Here's our very own Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Well, today I want to talk about one of my favorite ingredients, and this ingredient 
if you are in the health food world of some sort, you're probably very familiar with it. If you're not, it may be something you've avoided because its name is not very appealing. And I'm talking about nutritional yeast. This is an incredibly healthy, beneficial, rather delicious and creative ingredient you can work into your food and work into your diet. And it grows in a very interesting way. It is yeast and it's different than brewer's yeast. It's different than baker's yeast. It's different than the yeast you use to make beer. It's it's an inactive yeast in that respect. It's not going to cause any foaming or frothing, but it is, a, a, it grows on, in this case, <clears throat> It grows on molasses, I believe, whereas some yeasts grow on sugar beets. But but nutritional yeast, to the best of my knowledge, is is one of the only vegan sources of vitamin B12, which means that it is a tremendously beneficial ingredient or, or booster food that you can add to your diet in order to get this, this vitamin that vegetarians and vegans are also often deficient in. Another thing that makes it so popular in vegetarian and vegan diets, particularly vegan diets, is that it has kind of a cheesy flavor to it. And that cheesy flavor can be a fantastic substitute for things like parm and for what gives that umami flavor to your nut-based sauces that you're going to use instead of Alfredo. So this ingredient is also another source of protein. And it doesn't have a tremendous amount, but a couple of tablespoons will give you about eight grams of protein. So if you are looking to increase the amount of protein in various foods you're eating, adding a little bit of this at at a time at various intervals throughout your day and week will increase your overall protein consumption. And like I said, there are so many different creative ways to do it. And by itself, it's kind of flaky. It looks like um, kind of almost like the texture of a seaweed in the fact that it's flaky and you can shake it on top of things. But I think it's much better when it's mixed into things. So one thing that I mentioned is that people will mix it into nut-based sauces and creams to get a nut-based dairy-free Alfredo. It adds a fantastic cheesy flavor in that respect. Another thing people will use it for is to replace Parmesan. And what they'll do is they'll combine the nutritional yeast with ground nuts and seeds. You could do walnuts, for example. The nuttiness of the walnuts combined with the nutritional yeast makes a really fantastic, salty, nutty, creamy, cheesy alternative to Parmesan. And then lastly, my absolute favorite way to enjoy nutritional yeast, and this is true for a lot of people I know, vegans, vegetarians, and omnivores alike, is putting it on your popcorn. It just takes the experience to a whole other level. It's kind of like cheddar popcorn, but it doesn't turn your fingers orange, and it has a really delicious flavor to it. And my the way that I make it at my house is I add truffle oil. So the combination of black truffle oil and sea salt and nutritional yeast is just the absolute most delicious way to enjoy your Saturday night movie. So I encourage you to work this into your diet. See what you think. See if there are some unique applications for you where you can get the health benefits of this booster food, this vitamin B12 naturally occurring in a plant-based source and microprotein. And see if you even come up with a better nickname. <laughs> and that was this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. That's Chef Sita. Yeah, yeast. Oh, in, in Germany, there's that saying, um, yeast is a man's best friend. <laughs> no, because no. It's, it's the beer and yeast, but oh. we really grow up as, a, as children. I mean, as a culture, we embrace yeast um, from baking bread, as you said, which is different yeast. I understand that. But it's it's in it's in the two cultural products that Germany creates, beer and bread. 
both made with you know sourdough or yeast and beer for sure yeast hops and water that that's the reinheitsgebot that's the law to make beer Th- those are the only three ingredients you are allowed to use for thousands of years and now of course that is no longer upheld in other countries but in germany if it's if it's beer it has only those three ingredients and um, beautiful. So we grow up with this affinity for yeast. And when I was exposed to um, nutritional yeast for the first time and put it over eggs, just as you said, almost as a cheese substitute. Or, but it's it's such a unique food. It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's light. If you take it backpacking, it adds adds beautiful flavor to um, you know almost any any savory dish you can imagine. Sweet potato with some olive oil and nutritional yeast. It's a perfect meal. It's it's just it balances everything. I love it. And what and what was that word that she said in German? Reinheitsgebot. Well, you know, interesting because when I was <laughs> there, I was waiting on that boat and never showed up. <laughs> no. um, yeah, but I was drinking beer, so that that may have had. It, it came good. a little later. It came a little yeah, bit yeah, later. You, you know, Sita, I am popcorn could be a meal for me one or two nights a week um, easily. And it's always been butter and a little bit of salt, occasionally maybe peanut butter as the medium for <laughs> wow. um, low, low fat. Um, but it's interesting to hear you talk about using truffle oil and nutritional yeast because I've had popcorn with nutritional yeast and it's good. But now that takes it to another level where I'm thinking it might be able to compete because that's a pretty hard competition for me. I would have to be swayed. Yep. We're going to have a popcorn now. <laughs> we should have a popcorn show. Oh, we should have a popcorn we show. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you, Sita. Um, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And today we're talking about the Camino de Santiago, a walk to remember the challenges, beauty, and lessons of a pilgrimage. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we are talking about self-discovery in this hour, or rather self-rediscovery perhaps and about transformation with the filmmaker of a beautiful new documentary that's just opening in movie theaters throughout the country, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, as she followed six individuals on their personal pilgrimage for one month on that well-known pilgrimage in Spain, to that town in Spain, Santiago, that has changed lives for so many people. 
today here on An Organic Conversation. And with us now is Lydia B. Smith, the director and producer of Walking the Camino. Lydia, are you with us? Yes, thanks for having me on the show. I know you are on the road to the first openings of your movie, the first screenings. Where are we catching you right now? Well, at this moment, I'm in Bodega Bay, but on Friday, we have our first official tour stop in Santa Cruz at the Nickelodeon, and then uh, Saturday, I'll be moving on to Monterey, and we'll be showing the film at the theater there. Perfect. Okay, Bodega Bay on the beautiful California coast, and as you're traveling down there following the opening of your new movie, good luck with those screenings. It's a beautiful film. Well, thank you. We actually also, I just uh, did a Q&A in Chico as well. That was kind of an add-on. It wasn't part of the official tour, but we were going through, so I stopped in and did a Q&A at the Pageant Theater as well. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So, Lydia, um, my relationship to the Camino is I remember one morning I was watching the fog settle over uh, an 11th century abbey where I was staying in Roncesvalles. And mm-hmm. I was watching, I could, below me, I could hear people rustling and getting ready and in, in the dining room and eating. And then I saw people out on the this path. And I was like, well, what the heck is all this? Because I, I hadn't paid attention to it beforehand. And so then I saw that it was the Camino de Santiago. And at that moment, I was watching people walk. And I realized it was, I was, even though I was surrounded by people I loved and on a trip of a lifetime, at that moment, I wasn't feeling very happy with myself. And I was just like, I just wanted to just start walking. And I didn't. I stayed and was with the group. And, but it made me think about, you know, what inspired you to document people's journeys along the Camino? I mean, there are thousands of pilgrimages all all over the world. What about this one in particular spoke to you? Well, it was really my own experience. I walked the Camino myself in April, May of 2008 and really had no intentions of making a film, even though I've been in the film business and producing documentaries for many years now. But as I walked, people would, as they found out I was a filmmaker, they would encourage me and say, oh, you should do a documentary on the Camino. And I was very, very resistant for two reasons. The first was I had independently produced and directed a documentary years before and swore I'd never, ever do it, do it again on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Never say the words never, ever again. <laughs> why? 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 Let me, I do want to hear the story and our listeners, I'm sure, too. Can you just for a second tell us why, why it was such a horrid experience? Well, it wasn't a horrid experience. It was a challenging experience. <laughs> um, because I guess the difference being for me, challenging is when it's worth it on the other end. Horrid is... is <laughs> not redeeming it was just (laughs) it was just really hard to raise the money and do everything myself when you do a documentary i've produced for cnn and for different uh, shows that had the backings of tv stations you already have your budget in place but when you're doing it completely independently and having to find all the money yourself it's a lot of work but the other resistance I, resistance I had about doing a documentary on the Camino was, for me, the Camino was so sacred and so magical, I was really scared I couldn't do it justice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure how to portray it. And for people that have walked, I know they can relate. There's just no words to describe it. 
And so I was kind of nervous. I'm like, well, if there's no words to describe it, how am I going to really portray this amazing experience? And so I had some ideas, and um, finally I kind of succumbed to my inner calling that this is what I was supposed to do, and I decided to do it. So before we go further, though, is why the Camino (laughs) as opposed to any other pilgrimage you could have taken in the world? You know, I lived in Spain for about six years. I went over on a my junior year in high school, and then I kept going back. And, and so I have a very strong connection to Spain and a love for Spain, and I'm bilingual. So I always knew about the Camino, and it was really the only one that came to mind. And I can't even tell you exactly where or when that first moment happened, but it was just a really strong voice inside me that kind of said, you need to go do the Camino, the Camino de Santiago. And I was, so it's somewhat mysterious in a way how that happened for me. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Lydia B. Smith, the director and producer of a brand new, beautiful documentary, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, who's joining us today from Bodega Bay from the California coast as she's kicking off the screening of her new documentary. Um, Lydia, it's clear when we watched the, the, the press pre-screening, um, it's, it is such a beautiful film. And as a viewer of it and um, understanding very well the sacredness of, the, of, of this pilgrimage specifically for you, um, with anything that is sacred to us, we don't want to extract it. We don't want to take advantage of it. We don't want to in, in, in any mm-hmm. way take away. We want to add. We want to document mm-hmm. what is and add to it. So I completely understand what you were just saying. I, yeah. I can assure you for me, you haven't. You haven't taken anything away. Yeah. Um, I haven't walked it yet, but watching the movie, your love for what is occurring on the, in those steps is tangible and clear. And love can never take away if it's true love. So that's Mm -hmm. my feedback for you. Um, The transformation of the people that you are documenting is clear. How do you now, looking back in retrospect, has the making of the film in the Camino changed you? I think it's given me a lot more faith in myself and in my intuition. And for me, making the film was really about letting myself be guided by something greater than my own little mind. And I was really clear about wanting this to be the Camino's film. It's not my film. It's really the Camino's and really trying to kind of set myself aside and be more of a channel than um, trying to force my own human will upon something. (laughs) And... And that's something that definitely developed more and more in me, is learning how to kind of separate my me from situations and allow my intuition and allow something greater to come through than I could do on my own. Yes. I think that's really well portrayed by all of the individuals <laughs> in the film, too. I mean, even even seeing how people, they brought things they thought they were going to need, and as they were going, they realized they didn't need it. And it's just, it's getting in touch with the the essence of you. All that is you is what you need on the way. That's so beautifully stated. And that's, to me, what is so great about the Camino is that 
there's not really a right way and a wrong way to do it. It's about finding your way mm. and being in touch with yourself and being in listening to your own body. And it's just such a great metaphor for life. Yes, and we do want to hear about your, your favorite moment and also where people can, of course, watch the film as it uh, travels through the country. We're speaking with Lydia B. Smith, director and producer of a wonderful new documentary, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, as it beautifully documents that thousands-of-year-old pilgrimage in Spain. Um, Lydia, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Do you have a passion for healing through healthful organic food? Become an expert in nutrition, the prevention of illness, and the promotion of optimal health. The Bowman College Distance Learning Program is a convenient, self-paced program that prepares you for a successful career as a nutrition consultant in your own home, on your own time, in a way that's organic to you. Start on your path to holistic health today with the Bowman College Distance Learning Program. Find out more at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Working from home is awesome, except when it's not. If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co-working is the answer. Next Space is a co-working company with offices in L.A. and the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at Next Space. Visit nextspace.us for more information. Next Space, your best work happens here. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, a new documentary coming into theaters, hopefully near you very soon. We're speaking with the director and producer, Lydia B. Smith, today here on an organic conversation, Camino de Santiago, a walk to remember. And Lydia, you portray so <laughs> many stories, six to be to be exact, and plus with a lot of outsta other outstanding characters in the movie. But what was your favorite story that came from your experience in the movie? You know, I think <laughs> well, one of my favorite stories is um, the Camino. Just There's a lot of magical things that happen on the Camino. And um, it, was, it was really a challenge trying to follow. Um, we actually had about 15 different pilgrims, and um, we were trying to connect with them on different days. And, and this one time, I wanted to start following this German woman. And I had given her, I had her cell phone number, and so I wanted to connect with her to film her. And she, I asked her, I said, oh, so Ushi, where are you? And she said, well, I'm entering Burgos. Burgos is one of the biggest cities on the Camino. And it's one of the few places where there's like, Four different routes entering into the city and and I said okay um, do you know which path you're on like which route and she's like um I don't know but I'm next to a, a little river and I was like okay <laughs> so there's you know this is like it's literally 10 miles entering into Burgos four different routes she could be on and I mentioned this to my um, my driver who was also uh, very experienced on the Camino, Marcelo. And he said, you know, I have a feeling I know where she is. I was like, okay, I didn't give you barely any info. So anyway, he drove us down and he said, okay, get out here, go over this bridge, and then that's the Camino. And I said, okay. So I get out with my cameraman, my sound man, and literally we cross over the bridge and we were like not sure if we should turn left or right 
we have no idea where they are because the, there is this one stretch of the Camino that goes along the river for like five miles. So she could be anywhere. We literally, as we're crossing the bridge, we see Ushi just walking down. And it was wow. just, it was amazing. And I was so excited to tell Marcella later. I was like, I can't believe it. He goes, well, I just had a feeling that that would be where they were. And he was right. <laughs> wow. Well, it seems like this whole, this whole path, this whole pilgrimage is divinely guided, right? It's guided for every it. individual. It's also guided for you. It's guided for all of your guides on the making of the film. And I really got that in watching it. You know, I think that just like Mark, when he was in Spain a year ago and he just felt this call to go, I saw the film and I was already thinking, okay, how few things can I, can I take with me? Because I just <laughs> feel called to it. There is just like you said, this beautiful serendipity of, of what you discover about yourself on the way and it calls to you and you have to trust that intuition and whether or not that is what you hope people are getting from the film it's what I got from the film but I would love to know after having been there yourself and then gone through the process of, of making this film and speaking with so many people going through it do you have a hope that you that you would love to see people walk away from when they when they exit the theater? You know I really hope that they get their lesson, that they get what they're supposed to do out of it. My intention when I made, I was very deliberate about making this film, and I did a process called visioning that one of my uh, teachers, Reverend Michael Beckwith, teaches. And for me, my intention was really the greatest good for the highest number of people. And so I don't know how that's going to manifest for each person. Like, each person, it's going to be different. And so my desire is for for it to be what you need, which could be completely different than what somebody else needs or what a listener need, needs or what I need. And that's what I love about the Camino because, you know, so often you hear these stories of people say, well, the Camino's about letting go. The Camino's about learning to set your boundaries. The Camino's about... And what... I really believe is that it's different for everybody and that's why it's so popular and it's such a fabulous experience is because if it was just learning to let go then it would be applicable just to those of us that need to learn that Mm -hmm. but because it really provides what you need rather than one particular lesson and then that might be what you need or not. You know what I mean? Yes, and even the form, as you very beautifully show in in your movie, um, Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago, which is now hitting theaters throughout the country, is that even the form of walking doesn't matter. Um, it It will teach you, the Camino itself will teach you your speed that you need to walk it. Uh, as you show with many people who were ambitious and then, you know, slowed down or just physically couldn't do it in the beginning um, and and had to take their pace. Um, But even whether you you walk it with company, uh, with somebody else or alone, none of the form seems to matter. There's no right uh, or there's no wrong way of doing it. There's only only the right way of doing it. There's only the, the way of doing it, basically, is the right way, whatever that means. And I also want to say, too, For me, in making the film, it really wasn't about trying to inspire everybody to go do the Camino, because it's like anything. I I don't think it's for everybody. I I what my hope, my greatest desire is for the film to inspire people to do whatever their Camino is, 
And that may be opening a homeless shelter. That may be gardening more. That may be really saying, wow, I need to spend more time with my grandchildren. Whatever it may be, that's what I really hope for people, is that mm-hmm. they become aligned with themselves and with their own desires and with their soul's purpose. Lydia, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you, um, on the Internet, there's a lot of um, commentary on the uh, Camino de Santiago itself saying that you know some of the road goes along a busy freeway, And as life, of course, it's not just sunshine walking through knee-deep grass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you can you tell us, at least for that stretch that you filmed, the 800 kilometers, you followed six travelers on, what is the landscape like overall? Um, I mean, obviously, it rained there. It was nice. It was not nice. It was hard. But uh, in terms of the road, it is not just a path through cornfields. Oh, it's so varied. I mean, sometimes it's a... A narrow path, sometimes it's a wide dirt road, sometimes you're on a sidewalk. On occasion, not very often, but on occasion you're walking next to a, a busy road. Other times you're walking on a country road. So it's, it's, there's a lot of variety, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, and you know, I, Lydia, listening to you and watching the film and then listening to <laughs> Tyler Stenson's uh, song that you have at the end of it, uh, The Best Laid mm. Plans, right? And yeah. it just kept echoing and echoing in my brain. And the day I was, I wanted to leave, uh, which I'm glad I didn't because I had an amazing trip and it wasn't the right time for me to leave at that moment. Um, I decided I was going to take the Camino de Santiago and I came back and I told Helga and Sita, I said, I'm going to walk that. And they said, oh, that's great. Well, when I saw your film, I actually turned it off after listening to Tyler's song and it said, for my 60th birthday, I'm going to walk mm. or I'm going to walk the Camino because I do have a connection to it. And that means I have to get past the arthritis in my hips to get there and actually do it. But, I'm, you know, everybody who I'm telling is encouraging me. So I will have that same experience. And, and by, by making that commitment, that is actually, as Helga said, I've already started my Camino. Yeah, there's a saying that you start your Camino the moment you decide to do it. And, and then also it's, not contradictory but complimentary that there's also a saying that your real commitment starts when you get home after you've walked. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah, we, we'll cover that in a different show. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. Um, lastly, of course, where can people watch the film? Um, which theaters, which cities are you hitting? What's the best resource? Is it the website CaminoDocumentary.org? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have also yeah. on our our Facebook page, which is The Camino Documentary. And I just wanted to point out, we we are touring the country, going through California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas City. Um, and then we're ending the first leg of the tour in St. Louis, which is the where the American Pilgrims annual gathering is going to be. And then we're going to start up the tour again in the um, end of April. But I did want to mention, if people don't see their city on on our list very shortly in the next couple of weeks we're going to be joining with uh, a company to provide screenings on demand essentially anywhere in the country so the best thing to do if you're interested in watching the film is to sign up for our email update list either on our website caminodocumentary.org or on facebook the camino documentary And then we'll be able to give people instructions on exactly how to set up a screening anywhere um, 
anywhere in the country, essentially. Great. And that's CaminoDocumentary.org or Facebook.com forward slash The Camino Documentary. Thank you so much, Lydia. Um, Lydia B. Smith, the director and producer of Walking the Camino, Six Ways to Santiago. If you get a chance to catch it, do so. Highly recommend it. Um, otherwise, again, um, CaminoDocumentary.org for screenings in your area or even to set up an individual screening with for yourself or with friends. Um, thank you, Lydia. We all have the feeling that great, great things are ahead for you coming oh. out of this experience. So, um, yeah, we'll <laughs> keep checking in with you on time to time. Um, thank you to, so much. Yeah, wonderful to have you. Really a pleasure. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Great to have you. Enjoy your Bye-bye. drive. Yes. Good, good <laughs> luck. You. Bye-bye. Bye, Lydia. Bye. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helber. I'm Mark Wilkay. And I'm Sita Rani Balamar. And we are diving from the Camino de Santiago to the produce dock uh, with the world of healthy, fresh fruits and vegetables. What's in season is the question with our very own Mark Mukehi. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing. Seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palmar. And uh, yeah, wow, what a beautiful documentary. Um, That's incredible. It was, it was. And she just summed it up in such a beautiful way for me where she talked about, I don't necessarily want to inspire everybody to walk the Camino, but what I do want to do is inspire people to figure out what their Camino is Mm -hmm. at home. What Mm -hmm. is the journey? And there is a quote in the film from one of the, the priest, I don't know if that would be his exact title, but somebody who was at one of the cathedrals who was talking about what this means. And he said, everybody is on their own Camino, Mm -hmm. a personal internal Camino. And I really think that that's what people experience when they watch this film is they they start to understand that they have a personal Camino. Or when we talk about produce, which is the perfect segue (laughs) to um, (laughs) now the update from the produce doc. Mark Mukehi, our very own, with What's in Season. And yes, it's What's in Season. And as always, I have Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, on the air with us today from Earl's Organic Produce. And hey, Mark. To, how you doing, Earl? Always a pleasure. Always great to be here. Um, so, Earl, you know, you and I, as as we all do every single week, we have some sort of conversation around what's going on in the produce stand or the produce market uh, or the world of produce. And we were talking this week about berries. It's like you yeah. see them all the time. And when you and I were back being young produce pups, 
that wasn't the case. And now they're always, you know, they're always around. And mm, yeah. so, and one of the things I was noticing this past winter about berries is that blueberries were abundant and really well-priced. Yeah, it was a very interesting year um, uh, for the West Coast berries. Um, you know, it's, it started out that uh, Chile, Chile had some problems. They, um, they had a couple growing areas that were affected by uh, what's being called the European grapevine moth which is uh, considered a threat to U.S. crops. So they required um, fumigation, which, of course, eliminated those berries from being sold as organic. Oh, right, now, right. It, it didn't affect all the areas, so we still got production. It wasn't just as much production because uh, acreage of blueberries worldwide is just uh, excelling more and more acreage. So it kept it from being a real glut which kept prices okay in that Chilean. But on the other hand, though, the weather here in California um, was was such that, well, first of all, the the acreage in California is also continuing to grow in, in uh, blueberry production. And also the interesting thing is now there's production in, the, in what might be considered the off-season, which is January and February and a little bit into March. And uh, the weather was such that it was perfect for that production. The, um, it didn't rain much, and the berries that survived that uh, early December frost had a great season, and we had the biggest production for organic blueberries in the off-season, if you will, than ever. And I'm pretty sure that, that you were able to pick up blueberries for something like four ninety nine a basket. Yeah, I've, I saw them as low as two ninety nine or three ninety nine. So in 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 January and February. Yeah. I mean, just phenomenal, yeah. and yeah. they were wonderful. Yeah, they were very tasty. They were. I was surprised because I I tend to find off season blueberries when I when I do buy them, which is not very frequently. They don't have much acid. They're like sweet, yeah. but they have a flat taste to mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. this this winter season, I was surprised how much complexity they had. It made me feel like summer a little bit. Yeah, very unusual, you know. And we thought it was going to be kind of a disaster because we thought prices were going to sky really rocket up with with that uh, lower production out of Chile with the, with the moth, but. There was just, I, well, I didn't count on it. We knew there was some production coming out of the Oxnard area, but uh, for, for as much product, and it's still just uh, finishing up now. There's still product around. The prices have gone up as, the, of course, the supply has gone down. And, you know, strawberry production is almost year-round in California anymore. And, again, with the drought, uh, with no rain knocking out the plants, uh, we had uh, we've had good production out of uh, the Baja of Mexico and and again Southern California, Orange County, and Oxnard. Well, so, you know, Earl. Before you continue, I just want to acknowledge yeah. something. You know, Sita has been sitting with us for the last couple of years, listening to what's in season. And did you hear that description on the complexity of flavor on I the blueberries she was I eating this know. year? Now she's a culinary <laughs> professional, so it doesn't surprise me. But there's something has shifted for her in our uh, conversation, and she now has become in, not a snob, but she's becoming a particular produce eater. Particular. I just want to acknowledge that. I agree. Well, you know, you know, we do hang off off air a, a bunch now, and it's wonderful to be around her and talking about food. Mm-hmm. And and there's no doubt that she brings a whole other aspect to it. And 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 I've gained from her, and I believe she's gained for us. And 
you know, I love talking to you guys. Mm, well, right back so, at you, so you were talking about strawberries. Now, blueberries yeah. are fading away, so the price is yeah. going to go up. Because exactly. it's going to be a while before we start seeing another uh, solid blueberry crop. Strawberries are, kind, even though they're year-round, mm-hmm. really are pretty pricey. They're going to stay oh. high for a while, especially if yeah. we have any weather changes. And, uh, you know, and in all fairness, mm-hmm. it's okay that they're high because I hope that I don't get in trouble here, but they're not very good. <laughs> I agree with you, Mark. You know, I think we saw them go down to maybe six ninety nine, and... You know, off-season fruit is really for those people that absolutely need it, whether they they're want to garnish a cake or, or something. It certainly isn't to delve into, I don't believe, in the full force and start eating lots of berries. And, and I think the price uh, kind of keeps it um, at, at that level. Um, it's, it's nice to have. Um, it's a nice little hit of vitamin C, but it pales in comparison to what we're going to see. And, and so, what do we? What yeah. can we expect? We're going to expect high prices for the next month or two, and yeah. then uh, probably Mayish when we'll have a real berry show. Yeah, that's, uh, the, uh, the Mother's Day thing. The Mother's Day is always a great promotion time. That's in May. Um, and again, though, berries are very weather related. So if we happen to get some late rains. That will, you know, that will interrupt the uh, the picking, the picking and the production. But that time of year, it, it, it only hiccups, you know, a little hiccup unless the rains continue for, you know, periods of time. And in one sense, that would be kind of great to have. But on the other, of course, we we love our berries when we have them. I'll take the rain. I, um, I'm with you. <laughs> so with that, so uh, as you go out and buy them, expect high prices for the next couple months. If you have yep. to have them, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be okay. Um, and, and, and start anticipating May and June when they're awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the great part of it is, is when you get them home, um, you got to keep them in the fridge, uh, yeah. but there isn't as much sugar in them. So if you did have to leave them out in a bowl out on the counter while you were serving them, they're not going to break down as fast because they're not as high as sugar right now. So that's just something, yeah. to, you know, think yeah. about. So, so yeah. knowing that you would add maybe a little bit of sugar if you were serving it as a dessert or something, right? You would add add a little bit of sweetness to it. No, well, how about powdered sugar? Yeah, no, yeah, because I sugar. wouldn't have them. I know, but yes, Helga. Yeah, Otherwise, you, you would add if, some sugar. If you ever had like that. anything yeah. <laughs> that was not perfect, you would you could add some sugar to it, or serve you know, it with ice cream or honey, or yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or serve it with ice cream. That's a perfect way to do it. That'd cool. be a great way to do it. Serve oh, it with ice cream, vanilla ice cream. Yeah. yeah, nice. I like there it. You go. Well, Earl, always a pleasure. As and, and we always look forward to talking. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, Earl. You know, one day I'm going to want to raffle something off to our audience to have a, a listener come and eat produce with you guys because <laughs> it is just a different experience altogether. It is really incredible. Choose produce at Earl's Warehouse and then get to taste what the best of the best is like. <laughs> yes. Well, before we wrap, Helga, I think that this was a particularly inspiring show, an inspiring topic, and I believe it inspired an organic moment. The organic moment, my review of the week. And actually, I will stick with the film, Six Ways to Santiago, which we pre-screened as a media outlet last week. Watching the film, Six Ways to Santiago, was a great reminder that the quality of life is, in fact, dependent on how many reminders you select, how many moments or journeys you conscientiously plan, pick, and choose to not fall asleep. The falling asleep in life is 
inevitable, I believe, at least at times, for what I've seen in others and experienced myself. Knowing this, the question is, what do you do about it? It's like the alarm in the morning that most of us need. If you don't set it, you will be late for work or your morning run or for walking the dog. Dogs are, by the way, excellent reminders. But really, there is a journey out there for all of us, ready, waiting to be taken every day, every minute. It's the journey of our lives. It takes courage and some effort, but most of all, it all starts with what you are planning to remind you of you, to bring you back to self. A little ritual in the morning that is not yet habit or a thousand mile hike. You will know when you are back with yourself as that is the destination of all of our life's journeys. You know, Olga, it is really perfectly timed. It's, it's. I don't know if it's something about 2014. I mean, we had an episode at the beginning of the year that was an astrological preview. We talked about 2014 being an opportunity to look at your relationships in life and evaluate, are you in integrity with yourself and with your relationships? I wonder if that has something to do with it because it seems like this exact thing you're talking about, about coming back to yourself and about being aware of the, of the journey and reminding yourself to be on the the pilgrimage into yourself um, is very prevalent this year. It is for me, for sure. Yeah, I do think those themes come to us if we pay attention to it at the right time. Again, I'm not sure if they're always around. I'm almost certain they are, but you don't. You're not open to them. They don't find you. you. It's interesting. It does happen in cycles or it, you know, it comes when you need it and then it kind of dissipates and and then you need the reminder from a friend or from a friend doing something extraordinary like that whatever they do if you if you stay open it you will recognize it again but it does happen for me at least i've seen it in my life coming in and out and it's like a the cycle you you need it once a year you could set yourself really an alarm saying you know every may every year i'm going to do something extraordinary i think that's a very very great plan it doesn't always work that way. But if you have it in your calendar already for next year, the moment you finish something this year, uh, it, it might help. I'm going to think about that. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, to- I shared this with Sita yesterday, and she said, and it's a quote by Mary Oliver's, leave room in your heart for the unimaginable. And so whatever that is, we, yes. all, get to, we all get to do it. And set your alarm for it. <laughs> Well, that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Those best laid plans fail And wrong winds catch sails Yeah, but that don't mean you lay down And lose your boat to the treacherous sea No, you must believe That that which might have been I've seen a beautiful sky turn on gray As I stood by watching weather change Yeah, but that don't mean that sun is long gone All of our hopes should be And all must believe That that which might have been Or can yet still be 
Just like that greatest place ever known Oh, it fell down, it was the fall of Rome But I've seen that light again Called the Cien Summer's And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen So that which might have been Can you still Can yet still be 